Well, if you want to turn to Philippians, we're going to read here from Philippians 1. We're going to read the first 10 verses, but we're really only going to cover the first five verses. So Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, this morning, I'm just going to say a few things about verses 1 and 2 and not really touch on those very much. Uh, but I just thought it would be good to mention a few things. Don't want to skip over those verses. They're important. Uh, the word servant is, is important there, but this last year we gave a whole message on what that means to be a servant of God, a slave of Jesus Christ, and so I'm not going to go over that. If you think about it, you could listen to that if you are interested. The second thing to notice is this blessing uh, benediction in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of an interesting thing, a, a blessing, uh, like the Old Testament, where God commanded Aaron to bless the people. It's different than a prayer. He's saying something. It's to the person, but it's also a prayer to God. It's This verse actually is the most common verse in the, in the whole Bible. It's repeated word for word quite a few times. Uh, verse 2 in Philippians is word for word the same in quite a few of his other letters. So that's interesting, and we don't really bless people. Like, I don't stand up here. A lot of, There's other churches that, at the end of each message, they say, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and they go through that blessing. We don't really do that, but if we did, I think that would be okay. It's in the Bible. In general, in my background a lot of those people that do more of a blessing like speaking something that God is going to do is more charismatic but Paul does it repeatedly and I just want to be open to that and that's really all I'm going to say about the blessing and if you wanted to bless your kids at night you know that's something I try to do with my daughter and say may the Lord bless you and keep you it's a little bit different than a prayer but it's biblical so we could do a whole message on that someday in the future. I don't know that I understand it fully, so I'm not going to give a message on it. But just to note those things as we pass through. But what we're really going to talk about today is this 
prayer of Paul's. We kind of get an insight into Paul's praying here, and so we call this, we're going to pray, praying with Paul. We're going to pray with Paul here. And what can we learn? I'm going to read you a little quote from a book called Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson as an introduction. So D.A. Carson says this, As we're looking at the prayers of Paul, we must ask ourselves how far the petitions we commonly present to God are in line with what Paul prays for. Suppose, for example, that 80 or 90% of our prayers ask God for good health, recovery from illness, safety on the road, a good job, success in exams, the emotional needs of our children, success in our mortgage application, and much more of the same. How much of Paul's praying revolves around equivalent items? If the center of our praying is far removed from the center of Paul's praying, then even our praying may serve as a testimony to the remarkable success of the process of paganization in our life and thought. This is why we need to study the prayers of Paul. So he's basically saying, we look at Paul's prayers, we see what Paul prays, and we ask ourselves, is this what I pray? Is this how I pray? Is this shocking to me? If there's a Venn diagram, you know, two circles, how much of my prayers and Paul's prayers overlap? Is it just this tiny sliver? Is it uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask this, amen? Or is there a lot of commonality in our prayers with Paul? And so we're going to look at it today and ask that question. And the reality is, for me, uh, there's a lot of differences. That when I read Paul's prayers, I think, I don't pray like this. I wouldn't pray like this. And that's good. It's challenging. It's helping me to grow. And so here we are looking at the prayers of Paul. So let's first look at this. One thing we see about praying with Paul is the practice the practice of his prayer, the regular intention, intentionality he prays with. Look at verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So you hear those words, regular words, always in all my remembrance, in every prayer of mine. And he says this very similar thing in a bunch of the other letters. I'm just going to read you a couple verses here from other places uh, pretty quickly so you don't have to turn there. But in Ephesians, he says in verse 15 and 16 of chapter 1, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. See the, re- the regularness of his praying there. I do not cease to give thanks. Colossians chapter 1, 3 and 4, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. First Thessalonians 1-2 We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. So we see this. Paul is a person that prays regularly. It's constant. It's intentional. I wonder, this is just my speculation, I wonder if he wrote some prayers down. Because he says things, when I pray for you, I pray this. Uh, I'm praying such and such for you. And that seems to me, if it was me, maybe Paul's just a different person than me, but for me to say to someone, I constantly remember you, I'm always remembering you in my prayers, and I had a lot of people to pray for, which obviously Paul says this to a lot of people, I would need a list, me personally. And to even to tell people, I've been praying this for you, in general, I would probably need a list to, to remember that. That's me, maybe Paul's not like that. 
but it's possible. But what we do know for sure is that he was regular, he was intentional, and he hit a lot of different people and churches in his prayer life. He was regular and he was intentional in praying for people. So we can just ask ourselves that. Are, are we regular and intentional in praying for people? I remember coming to the very first prayer meeting I ever came to here, and I was not very serious about prayer. It was I was very serious about the Bible, but prayer wasn't a big part of my Christian walk in life. And I remember we you know get on our knees, which was different than I'd ever done. I remember about halfway through looking over, and Jim Gates was there, and I was so uncomfortable on my knees because I... I never got down on my knees and prayed for more than 10 minutes. And I was looking at like over during the prayer meeting, how are all these guys just sitting here on their knees this long? I'm getting uncomfortable. It was just a challenge to me. Wow, these guys are serious about prayer. I can tell by the way they're praying. And also, I've never been to a prayer meeting that prayed this much. And I don't know how these guys are doing it, you know, um, in terms of even just getting on your knees and praying. And so things like that interacting with people and seeing they're intentional, they're regular about praying and just challenging you. And that's what happened to me coming to the prayer meetings here and the same looking at Paul, reading what Paul, how Paul prayed. So we see that he's intentional, but what else do we see about his prayers? Well, we see the, there's a lot of P's here, uh, priorities, his priorities. And we're not going to cover all this today because There's just too much. But one priority we do see is people. Paul has people as a priority. You know, we could have things, experiences, you know, self-fulfillment, comfort, security, even ministry as our priority, but we don't really see those things in Paul. We don't see Paul praying for things a lot. Uh, We don't see Paul praying as much for comfort. We see a lot of prayers about people. He prays for other things too. But what I want to focus on today is he really prays for people. And I want to read you one more quote here from D.A. Carson again. About people. This is a... um, This is a shorter quote here, but basically he's talking about he works with a lot of seminary students, and his burden is to see seminary students have a burden for people, not just ministry and things like that. And So that's kind of what he's talking about, and he's comparing it to the prayers of Paul. So he says this. I worry about the rising number of Those attending seminary who, when asked where and how they think they might best serve, respond with something like this. Well, I think I would like to teach somewhere. Every time I have taught, people have told me I have done a pretty good job, and I get a tremendous sense of fulfillment out of teaching the Bible. I think I could be satisfied teaching Scripture. In any Christian view of life, self-fulfillment must never be permitted to become the controlling issue. The issue is service the service of real people. The question is, how can I be most useful, not how can I feel most useful? The goal is, how can I best glorify God by serving His people, not how can I feel most comfortable and appreciated? 
while engaging in some acceptable form of Christian ministry. So he says this, basically, we want to have a priority and that priority be people. Not ministry, not feeling good about what we're doing necessarily, but we really want to love people. And I can't remember who said it. I think, I think maybe it was Jim Kelly one time in a sermon that he gave, talked about letting people know that they're not our projects, that we actually care about them. We really love them. And that's what Paul did here. I mean, Paul is overflowing with love for these people. Verse 8 is, I think it's verse 8. Yes, it is verse 8. An amazing verse. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I mean, me personally, I would be kind of scared to say that. God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's, that's a remarkable statement of love. And I would be scared to say it because I would think, man, how much do I really love people? Do I really love people with the affection of Christ and feel I want to love people more? I don't know. I don't know how many people I could really say that to. But Paul really loves people. And so what can we do? We can just pray, God, fill me with love for people. Would you help me to love people more? When I pray, I'm not overflowing with prayers for people and love for people. I couldn't say this about very many people. God, would you just help me to love people more? That's one way we can apply it. We can ask God to help us and see and really be, hopefully, sharpened. Iron sharpening iron. Look how Paul loves people. And really, where's that coming from? Well, we see in verse 8, it's coming from Christ, isn't it? It's not Paul that it's not that Paul is this overly loving person naturally. It's coming from Jesus. It's coming from his experience with God becoming a Christian. It's the affection of Jesus that's overflowing out of Paul. And we really see this if you want to just jump to John 17 here. You see the same priority really coming from Jesus. And we don't have a ton of time, so I'm not going to read all of John 17, but we could just pick a few verses here from John 17. Jesus is praying here. We see the prayers of Jesus, and what are they focused on? The glory of God and people. Uh, there's a lot of prayers. Jesus is about to go to the cross and die, and he prays a lot of verses here about people. And let's just pick a couple you almost really could pick them at random because the whole thing is so saturated with a love and a care for people, even in the face of his crucifixion and death. Let's just jump in right here at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, and I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know the truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So you see his love for people. He's praying. He's just even flat out says, I'm praying for, for your people, for these people. Let's jump ahead a little bit more. Verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I did not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So, again, more and more about people. And jump down to verse 24. This is a pretty amazing statement here. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. So he's saying, I want them to be with me where I am. He loves people. Jesus really loves people. And he they're not his project. It's not just Jesus is coming to clean you up so that he could show how great he is. Kind of like those TV shows where there's this, you know, they do like an extreme makeover or something. Maybe they, they choose someone who looks, you know, like they really need help. And so then when they're done with them, they'll look really good, you know. Uh, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is not just choosing some person so that way he can show how great he is and turning them around that's part of it it does show the glory of god but he's actually wants and loves those people it's not a project it's not look i'm going to clean this person's life up but i don't really want to know them i don't really want to spend time with them no he wants to know them he wants to spend time with them jesus really loves people and that's where this is overflowing in paul now let me ask you this Is it easier for you to feel and hear this about another person than about Jesus? Now think about it. If I told you, I'm thankful for you, I appreciate you, I'm glad you're here, I think some of you could believe that. I think some of you would struggle to believe that if I said, God loves you, God is so thankful you're here, God is delights to see you here today, and he, he, wants, to be, he wants to be with you, he's glad you came. Why is that? Why is that? I think it's true, but I think sometimes we fall into that mindset where we really do believe God's going to love me when maybe I get my act together later on or when I go to heaven or when you know all this these struggles are gone. Or God, God does love me enough to die for me, but God really loves those people over there who have their act together more or something like that. It's not true. God really loves you where you're at. And think about Paul here. Back to Paul, jumping back and forth between Paul and Jesus. He prays these things to all the churches. He's not just praying these things to the churches that have it all together. He's, he says the same thing to the Corinthians that he says to the Philippians. He thanks God for them. And you know what? The Corinthians did not have it all together. There's a lot of things that were wrong. It's the same with Jesus. Jesus wasn't looking down at the Corinthian church and thinking, uh, I'm more thankful uh, for the Philippians and I don't really want to be around the Corinthians. No, he really loved the Corinthians enough to die for them. And he really loved you enough to die for you. He really loves you. You're not a project to him. Well, we see his priorities are people. One more thing. Let's look at his thankfulness and joy. His thankfulness and joy. 
I think this is a product, but it's also kind of a can help us to make people a priority. So let's just see his thankfulness. Let's look at the verses. Verse 3, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. This is now verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So this is one of the big, these are actually two of the big themes that are go, go throughout this whole book. Joy and the gospel. Both are th- big themes. We're just going to focus here for a second on joy. We've got to remember that Paul's in prison here. Paul's in prison. And what? He's talking about how joyful he is. What's the source of his joy? People. People are the source of his joy. He feels joy when he's praying for these people. The Philippian church that we talked about last week. He's full of joy in prison because he delights, he loves people. It's pretty remarkable. He thanks God for people regularly. And I read you those verses. I highlighted a little bit different aspect now. Listen to how much thanks there is in these prayers for the other churches. Ephesians. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. Hear the thanks. Colossians 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And then here in Philippians, we see the thanks again. So what? We see Paul, that he regularly prays. We see that his priorities are people. And what else? That he's thankful. He regularly thanks God for people. And I think it all goes together. I'll tell you a personal, kind of personal testimony. I uh, started a prayer app. I think it's called Prayer Mate. But basically it has a little digital card for each person. I put everyone in there, uh, families in the church. And I put two categories, and it was 100% related to Paul's prayers. And it was thanks. I had a little thankful and then a little section that said needs. And so I tried to put something in for every person. I'm thankful, and I pray for that, and I thank God for that person, and then I pray for their needs. And it's been really helpful to me, and it's something that was unnatural for me, not something that when I sat down to pray, I would do on my own. I had to intentionally decide, well, look, Paul is so thankful in his prayers. I want to be thankful. And I'm going to just follow the example of the Bible, and I'm just going to try to thank God always um, in my prayers. And it helps me. It has helped me to love people more, I think, and to remember the good things and to see those things. And there's always things there that I can thank God for, but I've got to set my mind to it for me personally. I asked my wife about it. I think she was a more thankful person than me naturally and she didn't feel that way she felt like she doesn't she does thank god quite a bit for people but for me it doesn't come naturally so i have to set my mind to it and say you know what i'm going to put this in my prayer card i'm going to thank god for this and i'm going to pray for their needs and it's been very helpful now this particular verse is talking about for christians and the reason he's thanking god is because of their fellowship in the gospel and next week we'll talk more about what that means 
But f- just for this week, we're just going to take it the basic view of it, which is that they're Christians. They've become Christians. They know the Lord. They're a partner in the gospel. And that Jesus Christ is their Lord. And he's thankful for that. But I want you to notice something else here that I never notice until preparing for this preparing for this sermon, actually. And it's a command that Paul gives in 1 Timothy chapter 2. You can turn there, or I can just read it to you, but it's a very familiar passage. 1 Timothy 2.1 says this, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I had always read that verse, and I always took it as, I'm commanded to pray for all people. Pray for the president. Pray for the Supreme Court. Pray for the governor. Pray for all people. Pray for the people that I meet. Pray for the people in my class, the students in my class. I'm supposed to pray for them. But I never really noticed that thankfulness part, that I'm commanded to thank God for the president and for the vice president and for the Supreme Court. That's pretty amazing, really, that Paul's saying this at this time in history, right? I mean, if if Paul had something to thank God for in terms of the leadership, then surely we do, right? There's a lot more for us to thank God for because he's, in Philippians, he's in prison, right? And so... Not only for Christians in the church should we thank God, but for everyone. It said for all men we should thank, give thanks. I just wanted to note that we're talking about Paul's thankfulness and joy for all people in his prayers. And that particular verse doesn't say joy, but does say give thanks. And it helps me I think they flow together naturally. As I give thanks for people, my joy increases in those in those people. If I focus on the negative and I focus on the needs, if I, well, let's do it reverse. If you see a need in my life, I want you to pray for that. Please pray for me. Talk, Pray about talking to me about it. But if you only pray for my needs and when you sit down to pray for Andrew Turner, you think of the area of need in my life, that's going to be hard, I think, to foster joy in me. It would be really good to thank God for any positives you do see, because then that's a balance. It's not just, you know, I don't know what it, what it might be. If I did, I would want to change it. But whatever it is, you know, a need you see in my life, you could pray for that. And if that's all you pray, it kind of gives a negative, can give a negative feel. And it's not just Paul, it's Jesus that has, like we said, loves people and has joy in people, rejoices in people. And so do the other biblical writers. I'm just going to read a few verses here from John. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. That's Second John 1, 4. Another verse from Third John. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Third John 1, 4. So you see in the Bible... I'm just going to review the three points. We see the priority of prayer, setting aside time. Jesus did it. Paul did it. He intentionally, regularly prayed. What were some of his priorities? People was a big one. He prayed for people repeatedly. 
Paul loves people. Jesus loves people. And what were the content of those prayers? Thankful. He was thankful for people. And he made those prayers with joy. And not only did Paul, but others, John, had a had a real sense that a large part of his joy was dependent on others. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. How much of your joy comes from people? How much of it comes from pleasant circumstances? How much of it comes from things going well that day? You could see why Paul has joy in prison if his joy is wrapped up in the gospel and people rejoicing that people know Jesus, love Jesus, are following him, are partners in the gospel. You could see how he has joy in jail and in prison. Why? His joy isn't wrapped up mainly in his circumstances. He, he can think and remember in jail. Remember the Philippian jailer, how he was converted. Remember Lydia, how she served. And feel joy in his heart and thank God. It's a joy that really can't be taken from us, isn't it? There's a lot of other things Paul finds joy in throughout the book. But in this particular place, one area is in people. And it's something, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, God can't take that. God, I uh, misspoke there. Um... The world can't take that joy from you. The joy in people. And so we can just ask God, please help us. Help us to be thankful. Help us to find joy in people. Help us to rejoice in the progress of the gospel as we see people that love Jesus. Focus in on the positives, on the growth in their life. And thank God for it. And our joy will increase. So let's apply this to our lives. One, what could you do? These are just some op- options. These aren't commands from the Bible, but some ways you could apply it. You could set aside some regular time to go through the church phone list. And pray for everyone. Just say, I, you know what? I do want to make sure I pray for everyone. And if you pray one a day, I think you would make it through in a a little over a month. You could pray more. But that's one way you could apply this. You could say, I'm going to thank God for every single family in the church and say, thank you for how this person loves you, loves truth. Thank you, thank you for this grace I see in their life. I think that would help. It's helped me increase my love and joy in people. And we could just ask the Lord, Lord, please help me. Help me to love people more. Help me to focus less on my circumstances and and look to people as my priority like you did. Now, that's all for Christians, but I want to say something briefly to the lost before we close. All this really is coming from a place of already being a Christian. All these things that I've said that the Bible says we first we we love because God first loved us. That that's where all this come from comes from. The reason Paul can do this is because what God has done is in his life, and that's what he said in verse eight. It's the affection of Christ Jesus. It's supernatural. It's not coming naturally. It's coming from God, who's helping him, filling him with love.
And if you're not a Christian, this is not going to be natural. You're not going to be able to do this. And what you need to hear is that God loves you. God really loves you. God really died for you. What's the gospel that they became partners in? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That there's people here, if you're lost, there's people that are praying for you and they love you and they're regularly lifting you up to God, your soul, that you would be saved, that, that you would know the Lord. And that's just a reflection and a shadow of Jesus' love. They're doing that because Jesus really loves you. Jesus really came to die for you. That's what you need to enter into. That until that sinks home, that God loves you and he's, he wants a relationship with you, you're not going to be able to do these other things because it comes from him. And you're not a project to God. God's, God's really does care about you. It's kind of like when I was in high school, there was an A team and a B team. And the B team was the kids that couldn't make the A team, but they wanted to at least let them play a game. And you know what? Nobody cared if the B team won. It just didn't matter. It, it, it was the B team, you know. The real game was when the good, you know, the better kids played. That's not what you are to God. God is not just saying, look, I'm going to save these 18 Christians and I really delight in them. I really love them. And then there's these B team Christians over here and yeah, they're doing some things, but it's not as big a deal. That's not the way it is. You're not God's B team. God really wants a relationship with you. He really loves you. And that these prayers of Paul, we could say your, your parents are probably praying this for you. Things like this. Praying for you, how much they love you, and how they want you to know the Lord. And that's just a reflection of Jesus' love for you. Just, well, I hope that this is helpful, practical for all of you, for the lost, and also for Christians. And we'll cover... There's a lot we didn't cover, and we'll cover that next week, Lord willing. Let's pray together. Lord, would you increase our love for one another? Would you help us to be thankful? Lord, we don't want to be critical uh, in a way that robs us of joy. We want to be thankful. Thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you for how you love us. Thank you that... Even people appreciating appreciating us or telling us they're thankful for us and they love us is just an echo of how much you love us even more. And we're thankful for that, God. Thank you for, for everything you've done. I do pray for the lost. If there's anybody here who they just can't enter the end of this at all, they don't. They don't really believe that you really love them. They don't have this relationship with you. pray you'd have mercy on them. I pray you'd knit us together, and I pray you'd help this next week in our prayer life that some way it would be a little bit more like you, Jesus. 
We just hand these things to you. Amen. Well, we're just...